You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 159. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Yelena Levin and Brian Ego. See us, Doc. Всем привет. All right, trips. Oh, welcome back. <laughs> Yay, thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. What was it? Yeah. A whale? <laughs> uh, Whatever, it, Andres. It, it has been Whatever. a while. Is that better? <laughs> Have I ever shown you that I've I've been practicing? I'd like to say something and I want you to judge it whether it's it's good enough. So, I'm a tour guide. Um, okay, I'm <laughs> all right. I, I'm going to put you somewhere in between Mel Gibson's Braveheart and Shrek. <laughs> That's not very good, Anders. If you haven't gotten no, the, it's uh, not. Uh, sorry, I haven't nailed a Glasgow accent. Uh, it does need a little bit of work. Uh, but do you know what? That is the least of your problems, Andras. Because I, I heard something today, right? So you know, like various countries like to make jokes about other countries like England joke about Ireland and oh, yeah. the French joke about the Belgians. So I heard today that there's a particular nationality that like to make jokes about the Scottish. And I'd never heard of this before, but apparently the Hungarians like to make jokes about Scottish. <laughs> Is that correct? Can you confirm? No, it's not. Now, no, no, then no. I would not extrapolate that. Um, the Hungarians can be accused of a lot of things that I d I I'm not aware of. However... You mentioning the Scottish versus the Irish. What do you think of an Irish woman playing Mary Queen of Scots? Ah, well, I was going to give her the benefit of the doubt and and go and see the movie, but um, there was no seats available, so I ended up going to see Stan and Ollie instead. So do you know what? Like, I, <laughs> right. I'm sure she's fine. I I do know some um some Scottish history nerds who have um. Uh, you know, express some displeasure, not about the fact that she's Irish, but, you know, maybe some of the historical detail in the, the movie. Yeah, yeah. So, how, how have you been? Uh, yeah, I've been very well, thanks. I've been incredibly busy. So, like, the last time I appeared on um, the ESP podcast was the live recording at QED when I... And that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago, yeah. that's. I, I thought you guys had fallen out with me. It's taken you that long to ask me back. <laughs> but yeah, then then I announced that, that my lovely lady wife was pregnant. So we are now, um, we're about six months into that pregnancy now. We're sort of on the home street. So most of my time Ooh. has been spent doing DIY and other such horrible things, trying to prepare ego, <laughs> ego mansions for the arrival of the prodigal child. <laughs> so, um, you know, outside of work and running Glasgow Skeptics, it's mostly been painting and chopping bits of laminate floor. Mm. That sounds very exciting. <laughs> it's, it's fucking awful. It needs, to be, it needs to be done, I guess. Sure, yeah. I'm just not very good at it. And, uh, you know, it, it takes like twice the time. Uh, it would take like a normal person to do it. So, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Mm, nice. So, so three more months to go. So it's going to be a summer baby ish, I guess. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's, it's slightly less than three months actually. We got um, what nine nine weeks to go. So uh, end of April, little mini ego is due. <gasps> wow, there we go. So yeah, don't don't expect to see much of me after that. No, no, absolutely. 
<laughs> do you know that what sex the baby is at this point? I do. Uh, we are going to have a little girl. Yay! Oh, nice. An a, a little ego girl. Oh, nice. Oh, many ego girl, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so um, since Pontus is, is away on a skiing trip, um, hopefully having a lot of fun, but not being able to join us for the recording, uh, we thought uh, we would jump on the opportunity and ask you back on the show uh, to sit in for him. So this is this is how you ended up back on the show. Yeah, and the other thing was that we have been a bit worried that once the little ego girl is coming, uh, you will probably not have that much time to allocate to, to such a task. So you'll be busy doing other stuff, like the fathery stuff. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I would imagine not. So, you know, if you were to catch me in a few months' time, there might be a, a crying ego child in the background in fact there, there is another um ego child in the room next to me my uh, older daughter amy who's 21 and she had her tongue pierced today so she's not crying but she's in a fair amount of discomfort <laughs> oh, so if you do wow. if you do hear any screams in the background that's probably her yeah okay did you remind her that uh, it was her decision uh, without oh. a doubt yes <laughs> Okay. Did she give that serious look that uh, daughters usually give the, their fathers upon such a reminder? She very <laughs> much respected my wise advice, as she always does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But guys, have the two of you ever been on the same show recording together? Once. It has happened, yes. I think we, we did finally close off that conspiracy theory the last time we were on. So... It's probably only that it was without me, That's the right. recording, yeah. so That's that right. I don't yeah. have such a vivid memory of it. That, that'll be it, yeah. I think, I think this is the okay. first time I've been on without Pontus here, so ha happy skiing, Pontus. Do not break anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to do a show together, a regular show. However, I'd like to tell our listeners uh, that um, the interviews are coming back as well very soon. Actually, we've got a couple of interviews in the pipeline. They all have some very serious reason to be aired. Uh, book releases, uh, new developments uh, that might have an effect on the whole skeptic movement. So there is a lot to look forward to. But uh, there are a lot of uh, events um, in, in the making as well throughout Europe, and uh, there are two of them that I'd, I'd specifically like to mention. Of course, uh, it's a good idea still to go on our website and check out our Events in Europe page as well, where these are always being updated. For example, Skepcon, which we have mentioned on this show, and we will probably talk about it again at some point, has um, published uh, downloadable flyers that you can spread across the internet with all the information, the program, the actual program that has been released. So uh, Skepcon, you should check it out. It's uh, the German GWP, uh, Skeptical Organization's uh, annual conference which is uh, a great hit there and the other thing is uh, that there is a science and pseudoscience symposium the third uh, one of those actually in uh, elche which is in the in the valencian community of uh, spain 
and um, it's about uh, science, pseudoscience, and what we can do, how how people should try to apply critical thinking to all the news out there, and and there there will be lectures, workshops, and um, it's supposed to be a, a a pretty good event. The admission is free, but uh, obviously the capacities of the the lecture theater and in the congress center are not so if if you're interested in in more more of a depth uh then check out the website um it it will all be in spanish though so uh you should probably prepare and uh <laughs> probably prepare let learn spanish before you go folks learn spanish it's uh, gonna take place at the end of march so you still have more than a month to go so uh it's more than enough to learn a language rosetta stone uh, method <laughs> yeah and and i assume the conference in germany is a native language as well it is yes it is it is oh, we have asked this question to uh julia offer two episodes three episodes ago and uh, she did say that yeah unfortunately it's all in German. Well, I, I I did two years of German in school about a million years ago. I'm sure I'd be just fine. Come on then, listeners, get get your German and your Spanish brushed yeah. up and get along to one of these. Okay. Yeah, I don't know much about the Spanish, but I do love Valencia. It's a pretty amazing place. By the way, events, is there anything in the making like uh, Skepticaly used to be or anything of that kind, Brian? There is not, but we, we are continuing mm. our um, frantic pace of filling every single Monday night with science and skepticism in Glasgow. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've got loads of stuff in the pipeline. Um, I, I guess most notably, we're going to have Pixie Turner, who was a, a hit at QED last year. She's coming up to speak for us next month. We've also got Paul Duncan McGarity coming to do his um, practical guide to attacking castles. So anyone who enjoyed seeing those guys at QED, um, you can certainly come and catch them up in Glasgow in the next couple of months. Nice. Yeah, I love your calendar. I, I receive um, the notification letters, emails to say what the lineup, what's the lineup going to be like for the week? And it's normally really is quite impressive. It is. It's it's a frantic piece. It's hard for us to keep that going. But, yeah, but we're I don't doing know how okay. you do. <laughs> yeah. Lots of contacts, lots of friends. Uh, that's how we manage Brilliant. it. What's going to happen when the baby comes? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to have my evil hench persons run a couple of the events in my absence at least. But, you know, considering mm. I'm going to be housebound a lot, it does a hopefully give me a fair amount of extra time in front of my computer that I can be organizing events and setting things up and communicating and that sort of thing. So I'm going to make the most of uh, of my hermit-like life in the next five years. <laughs> That's the spirit. Mm. All right, so let's see what we've got prepared for today. And the first thing that we have to do is uh, see why this week in skepticism is an important one. I actually have a fairly recent item uh, for you this week. Um, it's um, the date in 2010, and um, it's something that be that's been published by the good government of Britain, and uh, we don't call it good very often. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I, um, I shouldn't call it uh, government. It was a committee, so maybe it wasn't the government after all. Well, it kind of is. It's a government committee, so. On the 22nd of February uh, of 2010, a report was published called Evidence Check 2, uh, Homeopathy. And um, 
Uh, this report stated that NHS should cease all funding homeopathy, and it also uh, concluded that the medicine and healthcare product regulatory agency should not allow homeopathic products labels to make medical claims without evidence of, of efficacy, as they are not medicine, um, and uh, homeopathic products should no longer be licensed by the MHRA, this uh, agency, because there isn't enough evidence to show that homeopathy actually works. Uh, the, uh, and the, the, it states the report states that there have been multiple trials uh, that c- concluded uh, that there is no evidence that homeopathy works uh, beyond placebo effect. Uh, they have mentioned the placebo effect, and uh, this report. Well, I think it's changed things for the better, certainly in England. And as we know now, uh, our friends in a good thinking society did a lot of work around that as well and most of the uh, homeopathy uh, funding is now stopped uh, in NHS in all NHS uh, trusts across the country so you still can get homeopathic treatment uh, and you can see a homeopath if you want to of course but if you if you really need to uh, but you'd be paying out of your own pocket and uh, uh, you know it's uh, really up to the individuals but it shouldn't be funded by the government basically um and i think it's a it's a fairly historic report really i mean quite an important one uh, that acknowledges the fact that the, the of the inefficiency of the homeopathy um i have also uh, gone onto an nhs website itself to check what they have to say about homeopathy uh, because obviously for a long time they have been funding it and they're referring to this report as well on their page and saying that the homeopathic remedies perform no better than placebo directing it to this uh, report uh talking about the the history of homeopathy and you know where to get it if you want to but you can't get it on nhs so all around i think england is doing pretty well in this regard and uh, i guess we should be thinking report to a certain extent and uh, and efforts of organizations like good thinking society mm, as well so. absolutely yeah, well done um so that, that was like nine years ago actually so a lot has happened the good in in a good way yeah i don't want to just fire cliches but time flies Um, (laughs) when you have fun and when you don't have homeopathic uh, treatment funded by nhs um yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so moving on thank you very much uh yelena and uh, unfortunately since pontus is not here it, it would not be right to do a segment named pontus pokes the pope so uh, the Pope is, uh, well, almost left alone uh, for this week. You're going to find out later why I'm saying almost. But we are moving on to discussing a couple of news items for this week. Uh, let me start with something that I haven't talked about for a while, and that is the Hungarian government. Uh, the name Viktor Orban? You, you might find familiar. Is he a, a Hungarian uh, mafia? Yes, he's the he's a mafia boss of uh, of a Hungarian mm-hmm. um, network of mafia organizations. Uh, he's the big boss, the the capo dei tutti capi, and he happens to be the prime minister as well. Oh um, well, but that's always the case, isn't it? Yeah. Impressive yeah, yeah. multitasking. Well done. 
<laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think he's a very talented man in being a populist and uh, spreading misinformation. And finally, some of the EU leaders and spokespeople decided to call it what it is, <laughs> and uh, uh, he they they called Orbán's fake news just recently. So what happened was uh, that uh, Orban has been peddling this um, idea of um, the EU being in support of illegal immigration. And I'm putting the emphasis on illegal uh, because that's what uh, the government propaganda here in Hungary keeps telling the people that uh, the EU wants millions of illegal immigrants. And obviously it is claimed to be organized and funded by the Hungarian-born American billionaire George Soros. George Soros, oh, of course, the root of all evil. I should have known. I, initially, I was thinking it was Angela Merkel smuggling people in the back of her limousine, but <laughs> no. no, should have known it's Soros. No, even uh, Angela Merkel is in the pocket of George Soros, uh, who should be called Soros, by the way, because that's that's how we pronounce it in Hungarian. That is how However, Sean Connery pronounces it as well. Well done. Mm, yeah. Well, George Soros. George Soros. Nice. Okay. So you seem to be better at um, pronouncing Hungarian words than I am in <laughs> f- fake gl- Glasgowian accent. <laughs> Oh, was it Glasgow you were going for? Sorry, I thought it was. <laughs> I, th- I thought it was some kind of Highland cattle impression you were doing. Oh, Andrew, you still have a long way to go. Yes, yes, I do. I do. Anyway. Never mind. So what happened was that they had enough, and uh, now uh, Jean Claude Juncker, who is now featured on the same placard and large billboards as Soros himself, and. Um, the the new government campaign uh, says you have the right. Obviously, they are talking to the Hungarian citizens. You have the right to know what Brussels is up to. So uh, they have this uh, method of distancing themselves uh, in their rhetorics uh, from Brussels and from the EU leadership, as if the the EU was this well this can over controlling evil organization that wants to force us to do stuff. And among them, the, the quota that has been argued largely about in, in, within the European Union, uh, the quota being the refugee quotas that different member countries of the European Union are expected to accept immigrants, definitely legally present people and refugees, uh, so that the actual burden is shared with other countries and um, back in 2016 when this was uh, the mostly talked about topic in Hungary and it still is basically we were talking about 1200 people that Hungary should have accepted wow that's ridiculous isn't it and they started a campaign a poster campaign that cost several times more than feeding and housing those people for like 10 years. (laughs) And it was obviously heavy with pieces of misinformation. And this time, uh, the European Union leaders had enough. And they said, um, among them, uh, Margaritis Kinas, who's the spokesperson for the, the European Commission, 
uh, President Jean-Claude Juncker, and uh, he said it's just fake news and uh, it's exactly what uh, normal fake news um, outlets are spreading. So it's all misinformation. We're not talking about illegal immigrants. We're talking about legally present people who have applied for uh, refugee status and asylum seekers. And um, the government, the Hungarian government, is spreading the, the false information of the EU having plans to issue migrant visa cards, mostly funded by George Soros, obviously. And uh, they picture this whole thing as kind of a menace that is about to jump right at us and kill our nation's identity, which uh, seems to be, at least according to them, rooting from Christianity. And it's the Christian values that they claim to, to be defending with this um rhetoric so yeah it's just um uh why i think it's it has something to do with skepticism is because it's not we are quite familiar with uh different political parties across the eu i think all the 28 nations of the european union are tackling that issue and and facing that problem right now uh, uh i mean populism in the rising but to have the actual governing party that has absolutely no checks and balances to keep them at bay, to be spreading that kind of misinformation and uh, that kind of rhetoric on their uh, agenda, I think that is unprecedented in the recent history of uh, of the European Union. Can I just ask one question? Yes. So w- what does George Soros get out of this whole thing? Nothing. He's being attacked, um, so... Let's pretend he is behind it. Well, like, what is he gaining? I mean... I don't know. That doesn't... But okay. it doesn't... Uh, in the recent years, he has been portrayed as this evil figure who is controlling everything through the money that he, he owns. I don't think anyone asks that question who believes that George Soros is behind all mm. this. I mean... What what do we have to do in order to apply for some of George Soros's money? Um, that is a question I'd like the answer to. I mean, Mr. Soros, if if you're listening, um, you know I'm happy to smuggle in a couple of illegals if you're going to furnish my pockets with a few million. No problems at all. Yeah, I recently posted on Facebook that I I have to admit that I am on the payroll of George Soros. The problem is that the payment has been late for like seven or eight years so please uncle Yuri, if you listen to this or or if you read this i'd like my money now yeah <laughs> and back back dated as well please of course yeah 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 so there's quite a backlog there mm. um yeah so i have no idea so what his sins probably are is uh, that he has been funding pro-democracy ngo activity which is something that our government would not like to see and by the way, I have to mention uh, that uh, our government is currently being very much anti-science as well. So uh, the Hungarian Academy of Sciences has been under attack recently. They're going to dismantle the whole thing and uh, try to distance the actual research organizations and uh, research institutes from the body of this uh, group of scientists, acclaimed scientists. So there are real issues. 
uh, about science and telling the truth in Hungary. Okay, well, I hope the next news item is going to be a good one. We need to have a, we need to sandwich the good and the bad here, okay? Yeah, yeah, we do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so actually, the, the next good item is somewhat of a advice uh, from our friend Edzard Ernst, who we often quote and uh, use his posts from his wonderful blog, edzardernst.com. Um, so he recently posted uh, something about what can consumers do when they are confronted with confusing or contradictory evidence. And he, of course, is talking about the alternative medicine claims and various uh, remedies that w- people might find on the shelves of a, either normal pharmacy or supermarkets. Um, and so there is um, there is a lot of confusion around uh, alternative medicine um, and those people who have no uh, specific qualifications or experience or uh, not exposed to uh, some, some of the information, they, they're having to kind of uh, work through the whole lot of bullshit, I guess. So uh, some, some are, and if they go online, they find in some articles claim that homeopathy works. Um, others say it's just a placebo therapy. Some, uh, for example, when we talk about chiropractic, they some claim that chiropractic is safe. Uh, others saying that it's, uh, it can do serious harm. And we have actually reported about this, what kind of serious harm chi- chiropractic treatment can do, especially to kids. So it's a tricky especially online world to navigate. Um, and I guess there is a lot of bias involved as well. So somebody who is coming from the, the perspective of p- uh, being all pro-natural treatments, etc., they'll have this bias of looking for evidence that will prove that homeopathy or whatever uh, works. Um, so I guess uh, he offers following uh, approach to, to, to take and questions to ask yourself. So uh, basically, um, this is what he suggests. When you read a claim, um, see where the actual claim is coming from. Uh, for example, if it's coming from a newspaper or magazine or a website it has to be taken from with a pinch of salt because as we all know the newspapers and magazines and and some of the websites they're all about selling as much as possible copies creating this um you know attention grabbing headlines etc etc um he specifically mentions daily mail (laughs) well i mean there are more than one newspaper i can uh, mention that you probably shouldn't trust uh straight away on you know everything that they print also can you retrace the claim to a scientific paper? So if the claim is made and there is a little asterisk or um, uh, the uh, reference that references a scientific pa- paper, um, you should be able to follow that um, uh, link through and see whether the, uh, the paper exists. Because quite often these um, references, so-called references, lead to nowhere. You click on a, on a reference and, and there's like um, uh, an error website that doesn't exist. In which medical journal the claim was published, that also matters quite a lot because uh, there are a lot of uh, journals who accept alternative medicine uh, research and, and in fact they are, he calls them, he calls them scam journals and then they would publish virtually any rubbish. Then the other thing to consider, who are the authors of the scientific paper? Although in this case, if it's a layperson, you probably wouldn't know, but, um, for instance, there might be some uh, telltales. If the author affiliated to a university, they tend to be more credible uh, than scam practitioners who have no such affiliation. Or, or if the author is working for a lobby group, you know that something is not right. Um, and also, what sort of article is the original source of, uh, of the claim? Uh, is it a proper experimental study or more an opinion piece? 
these are always opinion pieces are always very big and uh, full of you know feel good or feeling kind of involved sentences rather than facts are there any researchers who have arrived at similar conclusion this is a good one because obviously if there's been more than one study it'll be repeated again and again and again and that's how we know that science works or that a certain claim is true um, if there's only one ever research has been done and nobody managed to repeat this well there, there are certain uh, we should we should be worried and skeptical about that claim um, so it's it's a bit of a guide you know to 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 help us uh, muddle through some of the information online um, but I think it's a, it's a good list um, we will link to the uh, his original original blog post in our uh, show notes and um, I hope it will be useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it's a pretty pretty methodical approach to to try and evaluate something, although there, there's a fair amount of steps to it. Um, I, yeah. I I would suggest folks if if you want to save a bit of time, um, if you don't feel well, go to the fucking doctor, and if you feel all mm. right, <laughs> don't bother buying any stuff. That's true, but I think mm, yeah, I guess I always have this example of uh, a friend of mine who fallen for the alternative medicine when he was can- uh, sick. Well, very sick. He he had cancer, and he fallen for alternative medicine. But I wonder if he and whatever whenever he researched uh, a treatment, he would always go for alternative medicine treatment, and he ended up taking up the Gerson therapy, and he always saw this other treatment like chemo and stuff as poison. And there's already was inherited bias in his ability to find good information, to find good evidence. So I guess these steps are good, but if, let's say, for example, I don't think he believed in doctors or medical claims of X, Y, Z, and I wonder if these steps are good for people like us who already that way inclined, but if you are on the other side of the fence and you're more predisposed believing that um, a, a, a fig leaf will save you, then I don't know how... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those, those, are, those are very good points. And I think, you know, if somebody's so far on the other side of of reason, then, um, you know, it, it must be very easy for them to get lured in by the temptations and the over-promising of, you know, particularly when it comes to stuff like that, the, the Gerson therapy, you know, they, they will promise you the world mm. as long as you put the right amount of coffee up your ass, you know. So, um, know. whereas, you know, you, you're... Yeah, you know, you you go to a proper doctor. They may may not give you such a rosy picture of your potential um, survival chances. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how how even though we've we've had you know the doctors have been and and the researchers have been trying to find solutions to cancer, different cancers because obviously there's hundreds of them, and doctors understand the survival rate very, very well. There is years and years of experience of using certain drugs and certain therapies, and still it's not enough for people. They, they are not satisfied um, when doctor says, okay, you've got you know, 60-40 chance or 70-30 chance or 20, you know, whatever it is. Um, Would you be? People, people but I'm, I'm thinking about people who are, are inclined to believe in alternative medicine. They go, well, will my homeopath tell me if I drink this so Carmel tea, I'll be, you know, free of cancer in about three months. <laughs> Why can't you guarantee? Because medicine doesn't do it. Medicine has got, uh, the, all that we've got to show for ourselves is what have worked in the past for X number of times and haven't worked X number of times. And it, it gives me comfort. I know it's yeah, not... Yeah, but first of all, they don't know that. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's obvious that whoever gives me the most hope 
I will try to follow them and their But advice. isn't that counterproductive for searching for the best solution? But anyway. Not for someone who's who doesn't have experience in the ways of critical thinking mm. and the, the skeptical ways. So this is why I think it's a very nice toolbox that uh, that Edzardern's shared on this yeah. blog post. No, absolutely. Yeah, really for sure. Like because and, uh, there are certain levels and there are people who reach a certain level of uh, critical thinking and applying that critical thinking to judging the value of uh, a, a, a certain article that they read uh, and and figure out whether it has any kind of credibility. But then there are certain levels. And on the other side, the people who try to get them, these, these vulnerable, sick people on their side, they have ways to argue that, uh, for example... In terms of uh, homeopathy, those who are well-read and semi-well-informed <laughs> about homeopathy, they say that you cannot say that there is no evidence that supports homeopathy, because there are papers published in prestigious journals as well that claim for homeopathy to have more than a placebo kind of effect. So why would those people question the validity of these papers. Mm. Exactly. So it's a very high level that you need to be at, either by accepting the, the, the opinion of real experts instead of fake experts. But how would you tell who's the fake expert, who's the self-proclaimed expert, and who is the real expert who really knows what they're talking about? Mm. Well, yeah, that's why those steps are helpful. You know, do they have a PhD? Do they have, are they doctors? Are they actual practitioners? Are, you know, or do they just have, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, some back-of-the-cigarette-pack certificate or something? Yeah. But but this this is why we have to be very careful as to what arguments we are using when in a situation, a debate situation. For example, you should never claim that there is no evidence supporting homeopathy, because it's not true. You have to go to the next level and say that the problem is that the homeopathy, and actually there was a, a recently published uh, meta-analysis that again showed no evidence to support that homeopathy can do better than placebo. Mm. But that's the next level. So once you say in the media that homeopathy has not been tested in clinical trials, this is just not true. Mm. And once your opponent calls your bluff, you're done. Mm. That's the end of your argument, yeah. whatever you say following that. Mm. Because no one's going to give you the credit that you actually know what you're talking mm. about. That's right, yes. You need to say that it has been tested and found not to work. You, you need to be well informed. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and you use that in your argument. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Edzard. Professor Edzard Ernst. Thank you very much. Cheers, big man. <laughs> All right. So I bring you guys sort of some good news. Well, okay. partic particularly for our French listeners, our French listeners who love to go to the cinema. Mm. You know, I'm sure, Andras, Yelena, you guys love a bit of French cinema, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. All right. So th th this isn't quite a date movie, but, um, you know, a French judge has refused to block the release this week in French cinemas of a movie based on a Catholic sex scandal. Now, when I say Catholics... What? There are what? no such things. I there know. No yeah. things. Um, when, when we're talking about Catholic sex scandal, 
shock horror. It's the usual type of Catholic sex scandal. Not not the oh, ones yeah. that like you guys were talking about last week about nuns and such like. So this is back to the um, the classic Catholic sex scandal. So does it does it involve boys then? It, it, it does indeed. Uh, many of oh, them. Okay. Yeah. So um, this is a, a film by director Francois Ozon, and the film is called Grâce à Dieu, which means. Want to tell me? Uh, grace to God. Oh, yes, oh. absolutely, by the grace of God. So this film won the Berlin Film Festival's Jury Grand Prize on Saturday, and it portrays uh, the story of French priest uh, Bernard Prenat, who has been accused of molesting um, dozens of boys during the 80s and the 90s. Now, there was an attempt to block the movie from being shown because the court case... Um, against Bernard Prenat is uh, is still to take place. Um, so his lawyers say that the picture depicted allegations against their client as facts and should be blocked because it does not represent the presumption of innocence, which I guess is, is technically a fair point. However, as I say, a judge has been uh, definitive in saying that they are not going to block the movie. No doubts, I'm sure they'll be able to find enough jury members who haven't gone to the cinema to see a movie about child molesting. Mm. It's certainly not high on my list of must-see movies. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sure they will still be able to be a fair trial. So, you know, even though it does, I guess, raise some alarms with regards to fair judicial process, I, I guess we should also uh, keep in mind that um, Prena has already confessed to abusing boy scouts. Uh, and in addition to that as well, his victims say that the church hierarchy covered up for him for years. So there's actually accusations um, at uh, one of the cardinals involved in the cover-up as well. So, you know, uh, as always, uh, when it comes to Catholic church child molestation, it's not just the abuser, it is the superiors and those around the abusers who appear um, to have been enabling it. So I, I, I hope that he does get a fair trial, um, and it seems like the evidence against him is pretty damning considering he's already made some confessions already. But um, mm -hmm. French listeners, um, get yourselves out to the cinema, enjoy the movie. Oh. Or at least, yeah, take something home from it. Yeah, may maybe not enjoy the movie, but yeah, take something home from it. Um, it, it yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's lots of movies like that out there which, um, you know, you, you don't watch to go and feel good about, but, uh, you know, maybe it's of... Um, historical importance or you know societal importance and no doubt this is the same and you and it know gives you something to think about yeah it's a it's an award-winning movie and uh, in french cinemas now what is the title again it is called grâce à dieu well I, I'm, right. I'm sure our french listeners are complimenting me on my excellent pronunciation there as well you're well <laughs> you're welcome french listeners <laughs> I, I really hope there are uh, a lot of them. And uh, yeah, please let us know what you think of uh, Brian's pronunciation of uh, the title. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, I will move on to something that happened to Germany and it involves uh, a judiciary decision as well. So this uh, seems to be an emerging theme today that uh, perhaps um, judicial courts are winning the cases for us, uh, skeptics. 
So what happened? Um, last week we talked about another judiciary decision uh, in Germany regarding uh, the practice and the funding or the the lack thereof of uh, alternative health practices. Now this week we are talking about something that happened in Cologne or Köln as uh, it is called in German, which should be the way that everyone calls it, since that is its name. But there is a naturopath. They call themselves uh, healers for treatment of cancer. And there is an association called the German Consumer Association that spotted this and uh, they contacted them. Um, this organization is responsible for taking care of uh, proper consumer attitudes and the sellers' attitudes towards consumers. So uh, they claim to have 420,000 contacts by consumers a year. This is how many consumers contact them for help. So probably this was the case uh, when they spotted this uh, this advertisement uh, that uh, someone offered uh, several different therapies to to cure cancer. So what what were these therapies? Uh, have you ever heard of GCMAF? Mm-mm. They were a big techno band in the 80s, yes. Loved their work. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, named after a protein. Uh, actually, it's um, it's an activating factor. It's a microphage activating factor, which is part of the immune system based on a, a, a vitamin B D binding protein that is uh, promoted by lymphocytes in the body. So basically, that's an immunotherapy kind of thing. But... Uh, the problem is that it is well known uh, to be linked to false cancer curing claims. And the other thing was uh, vitamin C in high doses as a therapy. Uh, you must have heard of B17 vitamin. It's my favorite vitamin. <laughs> okay. So it's called the uh, amygdalin therapy. And it's it's extracted from the seeds of apricots, actually. Uh, cell therapies, uh, thymus therapy, and bloodletting, which is, come on, a medieval kind of practice. Bloodletting. Never mind. And uh, he also campaigned for some mistletoe therapy of, of, of some kind. So uh, they contacted this person and asked them to stop advertising that kind of activity because it's based on totally unsubstantiated claims and it is irresponsible because the cancer therapy in itself is supposed to be the job of proper health practitioners. So, but the person did not stop advertising those false claims and they decided to take it to court. And the court decision has been made on the 12th of February, very recently. And even though the verdict is not final and not legally binding, they compel this person to stop advertising that. Otherwise, there will be fines. So this consumer association can actually help in these uh, cases by uh, by doing some research and um, and providing all the the necessary data and details to the court, which uh, has been the case um, in this situation as well. So yeah, there was a court decision saying that this was an absolutely unacceptable practice. I mean, the advertising of these uh, therapies and should be stopped. Nicely done, German courts. Um, I, I guess it's 
it's one of those things where because it's such dramatic claims that they're making and it's and it's about cancer, that does tend to sort of catch the attention of consumer groups a lot more than, you know, a lot of the other random pseudoscience alternative health treatments that, you know, for, should we say, less serious conditions that, that sort of go under the radar. You know, I, I guess courts don't always get it right, but it looks like they have on this occasion. So, um, sehr gut. Yeah. The only thing is that uh, there are lots of uh, health practitioners, alternative health practitioners, they call themselves Heilpraktika. And uh, pardon my French. Oh, that that was German. Sorry. I I hope everyone uh, in Germany can forgive my my terrible pronunciation. We keep bashing ourselves for a bad pronunciation. Uh, we probably shouldn't because Speak that's... Speak for yourself. I was very complimentary of my French pronunciation. Yes, you were. Okay. Um, I should probably learn that myself then. <laughs> okay. Those have been all the things that we had to talk about this week in terms of news items. But there is something else that we want to shed some light on. And since Pontus is not here, uh, we asked Brian to tell us who's been really wrong lately or about to be. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so actually for this segment, I'm going to do a sort of an innovative mashup here. Since Pontus isn't here to to poke the Pope, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a recent example of the Pontiff or the Catholic Church as a whole being really wrong. So you get the best of both worlds in this case. Um, nice. Nice indeed. Full disclosure, I did actually go hunting for a story about somebody a bit lower down in the church echelons so that I could have my own segment called Brian Bashes the Bishop, but I couldn't find anything suitable. <laughs> so um, here's what I found, a nice story that hit the BBC last week. Headline, John Henry Newman, second miracle approved as St. Hood looms. So, before I delve into the story, do you guys know what the requirements are in order to be made a saint? What do you need to do in order to be made a saint? You have to have performed two miracles since your death. Good start. I mean, the clue is in the headline, but I'm going to give you some points on that. What else? Uh, first, you have to be beatified before you can be made a saint. Um, because that's the next step. So you cannot be made a saint right away. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what, Andres? I'm going to give you an extra bonus point on that. So let, let me take you through the steps. Number one, you have to be dead. You have to be dead for at least five years. Now, it used to be 50, then they reduced it to five. Um, and actually, it has been ignored on occasions. In the case of Mother Teresa, for example, she was so damn amazing that they just couldn't wait five years until after she'd cashed in her chips before they started the process of making her a saint. Step number two, you have to become a servant of God. So um, the bishop of the diocese where the person died can open an investigation into the life of that individual um, to see whether they lived their lives with sufficient holiness and virtue to be considered for sainthood. So, you know, um, really kind of high-level investigative stuff has to go on there. Step number three, you have to show proof of a life of heroic virtue. The Congregation for the Causes of Saints scrutinizes the evidence of your holiness, your work, and signs that people have been drawn to prayer through their example. Uh, and if the Pope decides that the person lived a life of heroic virtue, then they can be called venerable. And, as you said, Andras, verified miracles. Now, one miracle 
can be enough if you die a martyr. But um, in the case of John Henry Newman, he didn't. But thankfully, he has inspired two miracles. So let's take a look at those miracles that are getting him his sainthood. Number one, the first miracle he said to perform uh, was curing um, a deacon from Boston of a crippling spinal disease. So this was Deacon Jack Sullivan, who prayed to John Henry Newman to cure his back pain. Uh, now, the back pain was caused by problems with his lower vertebrae. Um, apparently, after praying, the next morning, the pain had gone. Andras, Yelena, I'm sure you're agreeing already. That's a miracle, right? Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I know. Amazing. <laughs> now, so, his doctor... Or he would he would be seeing um, an alternative health practitioner. Oh, well, yeah. Um, not quite. He was seeing a proper... Who performed the actual who, miracle. Yeah. Well, here we go. The do his doctor, the orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Robert Banco told the, vest the Vatican investigators it was a miracle itself that the, pa the patient had been able to walk pain-free. Now, very carefully, I'm saying the word patient. So this miraculous recovery came after Dr. Banco had performed corrective surgery on his vertebrae. Um, <laughs> and uh, this doctor as well happens to be a devout and practicing Catholic, although I'm sure he's very, very impartial. Although other orthopedic surgeons have said that recovery from that type of operation is usually good and relatively swift. But this took eight years of investigation <laughs> by a Vatican panel of medical experts. Now, that'll be, that's going to be the only time you have a sentence with Vatican panel medical experts all in the same sentence. Mm. Apparently, seriously. So they confirmed that after eight years of investigation. Now, the second miracle necessary for the canonization was approved um, in November 2018. So relatively recently. Um, so an expectant mother was suffering from unstoppable internal bleeding, which threatened the life of her child in the womb. And we know how much the Catholics want to protect the life of children in the womb. So um, she'd been a, a long devotee of the blessed John Henry. And in prayer, she directly and explicitly invoked Newman's intercession to stop the bleeding. This miraculous healing was immediate, complete and permanent. Now, that sounds even sketchier than the first one, and it's pretty much impossible to find any more detail than that. Um, however, it was also mentioned on a recent blog post on uh, Jerry Coyne's Why Evolution is True website. So they wrote to an actual doctor and asked if there are any known causes for stopping internal bleeding during pregnancy. And spoiler alert, the answer is yes. So to quote the final part of that article, so what we have here is a miracle that occurs regularly without the intercession of prayers to saints. But of course that characterises all the medical miracles touted by the Vatican. When an amputee regrows an arm after praying to a beatified candidate, then we will talk. So, good comeback there from uh, the Why Evolution is True website. Now, to be perfectly honest, I couldn't care less whether or not John Henry Newman is a saint or not. But considering some of the things that we've heard earlier on in, in today's uh, show and some of the other things Pontus has been telling us about over the past weeks and months, I'm sure we can certainly agree that the Catholic Church have got better things to be doing with their time rather than fabricating miracles. So, for failing to adopt a sceptical approach in evaluating incredible claims and for wasting time on them, this week's Really Wrong Award goes to 
the Catholic Church. <laughs> All right. Very nice. And I, I really like the fact that uh, you managed to to poke the Pope. So, um, guys, have you have you ever seen uh, the th- the movie titled The Third Miracle? Uh, no. I saw the first two movies. Haven't seen the third one yet. <laughs> is it? I mean, um, is it like the Matrix trilogy? It just gets worse each movie, or no? It's just uh, one. Uh, feature film which uh, stars Ed Harris. Oh, we like Ed Harris. He's good. Yeah, and he portrays a priest who is on the brink of losing his face and suffering a crisis of faith. Uh, and he is the one being sent to investigate the the miracles of um, of of a woman who is about to be elevated to sainthood, and he is being referred to as the miracle killer in uh, in the movie because he's so skeptical and he debunks uh, a lot of f- uh, false claims of miracles. Right, so it's a really short movie. He turns up, nah, load of <laughs> bollocks, like, oh, mate. Not having it. it. <laughs> Jaw going. Yeah, um, but uh, it's it just uh, came to my mind because I I was thinking while you were talking about this, I was thinking how rigorous could this hunting for miracles be? And it's ridiculous to hear that it has to be a confirmed miracle. How on earth would you confirm a miracle of something that happens every day somewhere on Earth? Oh, and come on, that's we know harsh. for a fact that it. We come on, nobody's ever recovered from a bad back or internal bleeding before. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, okay. I have no idea why I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I just find it ridiculous that they call it a confirmed miracle. Fuck you, you're just sloppy. <laughs> it's yeah, it's a fantastic piece of motivated reasoning. Well, you know, credit it to is, them. Yeah, yeah. All right, thank you very much, Brian, and uh, yeah, congratulations to the Catholic Church for winning uh, the really wrong prize once again. All right, that means that we are coming to the end of the show. Uh, I think um, you'll like the one ad that we are going to be running this week. Do you live in or near Glasgow? Or are you planning to visit sometime? Then you're in luck, because Glasgow Skeptics have got your Monday nights sorted. We're committed to filling up every available Monday night with talks on science and scepticism. Past speakers include Eugenie Scott, Jerry Coyne, Michael Marshall, Nate Phelps, Tom and Cecil from Cognitive Dissonance, PZ Myers, Richard Wiseman, AC Grayling, Noah Heath and Eli from The Scathing Atheist, Simon Singh, Rebecca Watson, and a multitude of local academics and skeptics. There's literally nothing better you can do on a Monday night in Glasgow that doesn't involve taking your clothes off. So come join us. We've also got a vibrant online community. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and get involved with the discussion. Glasgow Skeptics. Self-help for your brain. And now there is nothing else left to do but uh, for Yelena to hit us with a quote. 
to finish the show with. Okay, I've got a quote from Dame Hilary Mary Mantel, who is an English writer. Well, I haven't heard of her before, but she's got a really good quote. It is the absence of facts that frightens people, the gap you open into which they pour their fears, fantasies, desires. So there we go. I, I really like that quote. So do I, yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> okay. Oh, good okay. So we're not opening up any, any more gaps tonight, uh, but there has been a gap that was filled up very nicely by Brian Ego. Thank you very much, Brian, for joining us today. Well, kudos to you for an awesome little segue there as well, Andras. Thank you. It's, <laughs> it's, it's been great to be back. I've missed you guys. Thank you so much, Brian. And uh, if, if we, we don't get uh, another opportunity to welcome you back to the show before your new child arrives then uh, best wishes and enjoy being a young father again thanks and very much wish you all the best all right great thank you so much looking forward to and <laughs> I'll, i'm sure i'll see you guys at some points yeah also i'd like to thank you yelena yes thanks guys and uh indeed our listeners as well for tuning in please continue to do so and until next week goodbye paka paka catch you later this has been your esp experience the show is produced and recorded by the esp.eu join us again next time but until then please send your feedback comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu we would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu Follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe I actually have a fairly recent item for Stop this Stop hitting week. things! Oh, <laughs> um, I, so, I'll start again. I actually have a fairly fairly should have brought my kazoo with me god damn it (laughs) that would have been oh yes i love that one by the way i think it's such a genius thing to do Yelena, what you missed with that concert that these guys gave (laughs) at the live recording it's unbelievable oh i think somebody gave me uh, maybe it was pontus who gave me the to listen to something some sort yeah (laughs) anyway all right okay Sorry, I'm a bit disorganized. Is Yelena still um, here? Are you with us, Yelena? Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah, probably I'm just here. asleep. No, I'm not asleep. <laughs> I'm here. But uh, for Yelena to hit us with a quote to finish the show with. Hit you with a rhythm stick. Okay. Please do. Uh, yes, 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 yes. You're yes, half yes. asleep. Wake I up, wake so up, wake tired, up for just one minute. Guys, so tired. Okay, uh, here we go, here we go. Wake up. <laughs>